Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Middle of the week, let's go. Wednesday edition of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Happy to have you all today. We are just a little over 24 hours away from a Thursday night doubleheader. Lady Eagles taking on Texas State in the early game and then what is shaping up to be uh, the game of the year for Southern Miss basketball for the men as they take on Louisiana uh, following the ladies game tomorrow night. Should be exciting. Still some student tickets left. I don't know how that's possible, but... Southern Miss students need to uh, to take care of that. So uh, it's going to be a good show today. Got Patrick McGee coming on later. There's a quarterback in New Orleans. We're going to talk about uh, who is visiting the Saints today a little later. Talk about Golden Eagles that have played in the Super Bowl as it comes up on Sunday throughout uh, the different years. And uh, we'll get to Heath Hinton with Big Old Nation here in just a moment. First segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Dickie's Barbecue. Located in a community near you, still maybe, maybe time to get in your uh, Super Bowl uh, order. But of course, they have the uh, best meat smoked around, and they smoke them daily in your local Dickie's Barbecue. Kelly, twenty-four hours, a little over twenty-four hours before the biggest night of basketball this season. And I know a lot of fans are hoping that the rain, if it does come through the area, goes through quickly because. Um, I've noticed the last couple of games scouring the parking lots and around the uh, area of Reed Green Coliseum, little tailgate parties popping up. And I know uh, with this one and what's on the line tomorrow night, there's a lot of people wanting to do that, hoping that the weather will cooperate. Yeah, look, I, I imagine like, I imagine whatever tickets are left, though, Luke, the students will gobble, gobble those up. Yeah, hopefully that it's just going to be packed to the rafters. Yeah, the weather-wise looking like uh, after all this rain, we should mention some, some severe weather is going to come in tonight. So uh, be sure to, uh, to keep your uh, alerts on. But, yeah, it looks like um, there's only like a – Four percent chance of rain at nine o'clock tomorrow night. Everything else is underneath that. It's going to be clear. It's going to be sunny tomorrow afternoon. So it should be a great, a great time to uh, to tailgate. Let's bring in Heath Hinton from Big Old Nation as he joins us every week. Heath, uh, yeah, pretty obvious uh, tomorrow night, biggest game of the year, big game for the ladies also, and you don't get a doubleheader in basketball like this very much. Heath, you with us? I think we have lost Heath Hinton, so we will uh, try to get him back very quickly. Uh, Kelly, 
ladies play at 5, men play at 7.30, so people can, if they want to take tomorrow afternoon with that weather clearing off, they can get out and tailgate. And different different leagues, Luke, have done this over time, you know, have had the women and men's doubleheader. I know fans really like it because, obviously, their ticket dollar goes a lot farther. Um, and I think before COVID, that was pretty much the way it was done. But after COVID now, you know, to limit the exposure in gymnasiums and where big gatherings are, they've kind of gone. Hopefully, they'll go back to it with women and men's double headers and make it a regular thing. Absolutely, I think hey, we got Ben. Heath back and uh, Heath. Let's talk about tomorrow night. Big, uh, big game. You don't get a double header very often with uh, two big games on the line for the men and the women. Uh, it's true. I mean, this never happens, and it used to happen in the Conference USA a little bit. But you get two for the price of one. Go watch one game. You sit there, you get to watch another. DJ's going to be there because I'm thinking the pet band may not be there, but they're selling tickets. From what I understand, it's pretty much a sellout. It's going to remind me of the late 80s, early 90s basketball when my dad used to take me to Red Green Coliseum. So it should be an exciting atmosphere and uh, good basketball tomorrow, that's for sure. Let's talk. Uh, we, we talked yesterday on the Louisiana side with Jay Walker. Of course, uh, Eagles got to find ways to defend Lewis and, and Brown. Both those guys, 30 rebounds against Marshall. Saturday night. This is a Southern Miss team. Kelly brought this up to Jay yesterday. Alvarez wasn't on the court. I believe Harris was just getting back from being dinged up a little bit last time. So it's not just so much what the what the the Eagles gonna have to defend from the Cajuns. There's gonna be new wrinkles for the Eagles or for, from the Eagles uh, against the Cajuns as well. Yeah, the Cajuns gonna get to see Alvarez. They didn't get to see him. How Jay's gonna play him? Is he gonna start him bringing off the bench? He's been so good off the bench, making uh, just coming in with a spark. And then, of course, Harris. They didn't have to play Harris. didn't have to worry about him driving the lane and his ability to guard, too. And, and look, it's going to be a tough task. Uh, you know, Brown from Louisiana, he puts up a lot of points, but he doesn't shoot very well from the free throw line. It may be an instance where you may have to make him step up to the free throw line and make him make a lot of shots because he's only right around 50%. From the uh, free throw line, so I think that may be an option. Uh, you got a bunch of guys down there that can gobble up some minutes and maybe uh, get some fouls. You're deep enough to do it, so that may be an option. That may be something to look at tomorrow night. But I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get Hase in foul trouble too. You know, at, at Louisiana trying to go inside re- frequently to get Hase maybe to commit a few fouls and get him in trouble. Uh, this is, that's true. And the thing about Hase is he does a good job of, when he's in foul trouble, not committing that last foul or not getting a really dumb foul late in the game to foul out. I've noticed him do that a lot. So hopefully he stays level-headed. Uh, you know, just kind of get to the get to the spots where you can use him in the outside shooting game and uh, work the ball through him and hope he doesn't get in a foul. Don't try to get in there and bang too much. Let let Pinkney and those other guys get in there and do that. Heath, you know we we lose a we meaning the Eagles. There's a lot of basketball to be played yet, but they're they're going to lose some significant players in the off season. And not to put the cart ahead of the horse, but we don't really hear too much about basketball recruiting. You know, we've just finished up with football. When will we start hearing about potential um, players that would be new Golden Eagles next year? Makes you wonder if they're not going to try that approach anymore. If they're just going to go portal from now on. If you can go get a guy in the portal that's a sophomore with three years left, uh, this guy's some experience, would you go ahead and sign him? Maybe maybe later on some JUCO guys. 
But there's not been much from the recruiting side for Southern Miss because of how well they did in the portal. That may be the key going forward for Southern Miss is to build your team out of the portal and maybe not go after as many high school guys. And, Luke, that's a valid point. I mean, they went to the well this year and made it work exceptionally well. And if it works for you once, why not go back a second time? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to replace two of your big three, though, you know, right. with, with Pinkney and Hase, and so that's that's the best way to do it. We had some younger bigs, but, you know, they transferred out, and, and to your point, that's just the way, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's probably going to be. All right, Heath, uh, a couple minutes left. Let's switch to baseball. Um, you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of talk about this. I, I think earlier in the week uh, we got kind of an indication who may start at the catching position because the Golden Eagles did add a catcher. Uh, any any uh, talk about that? No, but I understand Blake Johnson's going to start at catcher. Uh, I think the biggest position, talking to Coach Berry right now, the biggest position they ha- they have, don't have any answer for, or not an answer, but they have made a decision on his second base. I think that's the biggest decision going forward and who they're going to play there. I think otherwise Coach Berry's pretty much set on uh, all other, uh, I guess, seven fielding positions, not counting pitcher, but he's pretty sure there. He's just looking to see who's going to come out in front in that second baseman uh, race. Is it going to be the transfer or Faust? Who's it going to be? Middleton, nobody knows yet. Yeah, I mean, you got, uh, what, Gabe Lacey. He came in from uh, Tennessee Tech. You've, you've got Robertson, uh, what, Monastere. You know, there's a, it just seems like nobody's really stepped up and, and taken that position. Do you think they're going to platoon Parker and Ewing in, in left field? Do we lose him again? Oh. Heath, do you think there's going to be a platoon with Hello? Parker? Yeah, Heath, do you think there's going to be a platoon with Parker and Ewing in left field? Yeah, lost I him again. Lost him, so. Yeah, I yeah think... just about a minute left. But, yeah, but I found that interesting for you, Kelly, you know, because they brought Crawford in. It looks like Johnson will hold on. Yeah, and, and, and in public statements, um, Scott Barry has said that. But you can never have too many good catchers. And the situation that Southern Miss is in now, even at the second base position, lots of times programs get in a situation where a player wins a position by default, right? That there just isn't anybody else. Uh, it doesn't matter how good that guy is. It's how bad everybody else is, right? But at just about every position now, Southern Miss, if one guy doesn't win the job, the next guy is right behind him. Um, so, again, it's not a default situation. You've got really good players two or three deep at every position, and that's the, that's the real sign of the health of any sports program is when if some guy does get injured, transfers, what have you, next guy up, and you don't give up a whole lot. And I think yeah, that's and, every position the Eagles have is like that this year. Yeah, I mean, the outfield, I mean, you, and you got to look, too. I mean, Wilkes is going to be a DH, and Parker can be a DH. And, yeah, I mean, it's it, <laughs> – you just wish, Kelly, that one of those years you would hit the pitching and the hitting at the same time. But I guess that's why there's only one team that wins the and, national championship. And this might be the year, Luke. I mean, it's a tougher schedule. We've talked about that. So manage expectations. But, man, top to bottom, this is a good Southern Miss team. Absolutely. Hey, we're going to step aside. Appreciate Heath joining us. You can uh, be a member and be an insider. Big Old Nation, southernmiss.rivals.com. Always appreciate Heath joining us and maybe it's some of this weather that's moving in connection issues watch the weather going to get a little little bristly uh tonight we, hey we'll be back with uh, patrick mcgee there's a quarterback in new orleans today eagle hour continues on wednesday
tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Eagle Hour continues. The rain coming down now. And the wind in downtown Laurel. Kelly's in Hattiesburg with Michael Mergens in the Southern Bank Core Studios. Kelly, you know, you got all these tourists. And then the first time I've really seen people running for cover in downtown Laurel. And I'm not even there. Usually if I'm there and they know I'm there, they run for cover, you know. <laughs> Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Campus Bookmark. Great friends over there at Campus Bookmark. You're coming in to cheer on the Golden Eagles, the ladies and the men tomorrow night. You can get you some swag at Campus Bookmark, or you can uh, shop from uh, wherever, campusbookmark.com. Net. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com joins us every as he does every Wednesday. Patrick, exciting news in uh, in New Orleans. The quarterback position, of course, is one that everybody likes to talk about, but the Saints, it's just uh, it's been very, uh, very open, we should say, since Drew Brees retired. Andy Dalton was not bad, uh, but uh, the Saints have a, a, a real name in today. Tell us more. Yeah, uh, Derek Carr, yesterday it was reported that uh, Derek Carr was supposed to be in New Orleans today. Ian Rappaport a little bit ago said that he is, in fact, in New Orleans as we speak. Uh, so uh, it's a matter of if the Saints can come to an agreement on a contract with Carr that a trade would probably happen before the 15th and happen pretty quickly. Uh, if they don't come to an agreement, which is a possibility, uh, there appears a good chance that, that Carr would side with the Saints in free agency. And because if they don't if, – if the Raiders don't – trade car by the 15th they're they're basically going to release him uh he would be due a bunch of guaranteed money if he's still uh with the raiders through the 15th so this appears to be happening <laughs> i mean yeah. uh, you know he was with the raiders when dennis allen was uh, there as head coach and there's a good relationship uh ian rapaport calls the saints the front runner uh this thing you know you know may not pan out but at the moment i mean momentum seems to be pointing to the obvious that he's going to end up with the Saints. But, but yeah, from, and, a, from a business standpoint, you guys, it makes more sense for the Saints to sign him in free agency. Yeah, but, I mean, he's due, what, $40.4 yeah. And so I think, Patrick, if there's a trade, the Raiders aren't going to get, you know, like this first-round pick that they just got from the Broncos for Sean Payton. Yeah. So, I mean, the Saints, in, in a lot of ways, have the upper hand in this whole this whole deal. Yeah, for us, I think it was what maybe the Saints would send a third rounder uh, to the Raiders, something along those lines, um, uh, if a trade does happen. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, and yeah, I mean, I mean, this was a bad year for Carr. It was a bad year for the Raiders all the way around. I mean, they've had terrible luck there, uh, and ever since Gruden's uh, uh, time there, kind of fell apart. Things as a whole have gone well. Really didn't go well under McDaniel, but I mean, Carr is still 31 years old, and he's still the same guy. I mean, there's nothing's really changed about it. Uh, in a more stable system with the, with the good personnel that he should have a receiver and running back and a solid offensive line, I would think Carr looks at New Orleans as, as a good situation. Yeah, Kelly, I'm looking at it. You know, he turns 32 in March. As as bad as it was this year, he still threw for 3,500 yards. One, two, three, four. He's had four 4,000 seasons. And other than his rookie year, he has never thrown for less than 3,500 yards, Kelly. And when you look at the differences between a trade, which the Saints don't have a lot of trade capital to begin with, so what, whatever draft capital they have, they need to hang on to. 
So that's why I would look for a free agency deal to happen if, if it's one of those two ways that goes down. Right. The other, the other thing about, about Carr is, and I don't, know, I don't know if Josh McDaniels has the proverbial photographs of people in compromising positions. Or I don't know how this clown keeps getting head coaching positions when he's not been successful anywhere he's gone. So if anybody is, if a Saints fan might be listening and says, well, Carr's not very good, Josh McDaniels isn't very good, in my opinion. So you can't judge last season entirely on Carr, particularly when there's been so much volatility. The Raiders have not been a stable organization. It's really tough to ask any quarterback to have a stable career when head coaches are moving in and out, OCs are moving in and out. I think Carr could be a really, really good fix for New Orleans. Patrick, you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh, you disagree? No, I, I mean, you, you disagree, Pat? I was just listening. To, I was just listening to Kelly. I didn't disagree. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think in Carr they find the guy, the type of guy they need. He has a live arm. Uh, you know, it, the, the Saints really haven't found that guy over the years. I mean, you brought in Breeze, but looking back, I mean, they brought a lot of washed up guys that really weren't at the top of their game. I mean, Jim Everett was not at the top of his game, even though he was okay for a year or two. Uh, in, in Derek Carr, they have somebody that's got every bit the ability that he had, you know, eight nine years ago whenever he came into the NFL. So, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. So, if you get Carr, how does that change? Say you give up that third round, like you said. I think you still have twenty nine yeah. overall, still have forty overall. How does that change how you draft one and two uh, first two rounds? I don't know. This may be a, a you know a third round pick that that's you know fast forward a year or two or something like that. You know if they could kick the can down a little bit and still leave yourself options for this year, uh, who knows? But yeah, it, it's it, I think that's still a little bit TBD. But yeah, losing a third rounder this year would be to the Saints' detriment. There's no doubt because you want to bring in young talent on a team like this that's getting a little old, especially on defense. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it would change things if they had to give away the third year third rounder this year and, and we won't spend a lot of time on the following subject but i think it's worth noting and luke and i'll talk a little bit more about it in the next segment but the usfl uh second season schedule regular yeah. season schedule has been released the breakers will open against the pittsburgh maulers on sunday the 18th of april that game will be played in birmingham uh, new orleans is scheduled to have air quote home games this year in memphis birmingham Canton, Ohio, and Detroit, Michigan. Patrick, all in all, generally speaking, you're not real optimistic about the long-term success of the USFL, correct? No, I mean it's 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 still silly. I mean, you kind of you could kind of understand the argument a year ago. Well, we're going to put the whole league in Birmingham to to see if this works for a year. Uh, but I mean, but for the Breakers to be playing teams who in, in other markets, you know, like they're playing the, the say the the Breakers play the uh, the Maulers out of from Pittsburgh in Detroit. That makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. There's there's going to be nobody in the stadium. There's going to be no energy. Uh, the XFL will have already been playing played games by then. I you know the XFL is going to have teams in their respective markets, and I, I just don't see how you can have two of these leagues going on. There won't be quite exact overlap between the two leagues, but still, I, I mean there can't be two spring leagues, and one's got to go away. Even though the USFL is in a, in a good position from being owned by Fox, they like that content. They wouldn't keep it going. But I just don't see how it, one of these leagues has got to win out. And, and, and to me, it has to be the XFL. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's I you know, from a former player's perspective, I like the fact that these guys can still pursue their dreams, even if they don't, you know, make uh, the money, but I mean, we saw Slaughter, you know, uh, Slaughter from from Southern Miss. Um, you know, he got he played for the Breakers last year, and he got went to the NFL. So a lot of these guys are able to uh, to show out. You talked about uh, how there won't be people in the USFL stands. There will be people in Reed Green Coliseum tomorrow night. Patrick, yeah. uh, probably the most important game in in maybe a decade of Southern Miss basketball. Um, I mean, what's your take? I mean, I, I know you still watch what this team's doing. I mean, pretty remarkable 21-4 and four right now, playing Louisiana for uh, sole possession of first place. Yeah, these are two good teams, and Southern Miss is a well-put, you know, it's a team that's well-put together. You have all the pieces you really need for a good basketball team there. Maybe they don't have the, quite the depth that some of these other programs have. It's still solid depth, though. Uh, this, you know, Wait, how close are they to a sellout right now? I know they have to. What, they were a thousand short last I heard. Something like uh, that. We're we're probably under three hundred at this place right now. Wow, right now. Yeah, and that's something the that Sun Belt hasn't had. You know, uh, and that's pretty impressive for Southern Miss to do that in year one. And Jay Ladner has really done an outstanding job. And with the additions he's made to his staff, that's really made all the difference in the world to get the players in there that he needed to compete. So uh, credit to Jay and. It is really a moment, a, a huge moment for Southern Miss basketball. Uh, they, it's not a must win. You got to go win that conference tournament. You know, uh, it, there is a chance if Southern Miss kind of wins out, maybe gets the conference tournament game, they could be on that bubble, be close to an at large. But that's really, really, really tough. Uh, so yeah, this, it, to get that top seed going into the conference tournament would be to their advantage. But I don't see it as a must win. Kelly, what, Patrick, what are some things you guys are working on at at, at NewOrleans dot com? Well, at NOLA.com, we're obviously all eyes are on Derek Carr right now and where things are kind of moving uh, with that. So we're all all eyes on, uh, you know, that's that's kind of where we're headed. We've got a lot of – had a lot of movement on the staff. You have Ronald Curry, the quarterback's coach, interview uh, to be the offensive coordinator for uh, Sean Payton and the Broncos. So right now it's kind of been a surprising amount of change on the Saints staff uh, from guys leaving and uh, on both offense and defense. So there's just a lot of pieces – they have to fall in place here in the next week or two. Good stuff, buddy. Man, we appreciate your uh, your your time. Hey, uh, I, I know you don't care, uh, but give us a Super Bowl prediction. Uh, I, I, I'm leaning Chiefs. I'll take Chiefs uh, 28 to 21. Did he say the Kansas City cheats? Is that what he said? Yeah, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. C-H-E-A-T-S. Patrick, tell, uh, tell Blue we said, hey, man, we'll talk to you next week. Will do. Thanks, guys. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com. He joins us every week. Car. Man, number it, four. Yeah, and for if the, the Saints. And if those assistants, you know, start jumping ship too, then then you there's more stories than the next two or three or four weeks is then those dominoes have to be, you know, reset up. So a lot of things happening with the New Orleans Saints, and we'll keep you up to date here. Absolutely. Eagle Hour continues. Talk a little Super Bowl. Two Golden Eagles will be on uh, the sidelines, and one will be in the game. On Sunday, Eagle Hour on a Wednesday. Stick with us. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. This segment of the Wednesday's Eagle Hour, sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill, as tickets are becoming fewer and fewer for the big showdown tomorrow night with the Cajuns. 
you'll always have room. There's always room for one more at 4th Street Bar and Grill, where every Golden Eagle contest that's featured on ESPN Plus will be on the big screens and the TVs there. The 9.95 uh, plate lunch available every day. And everybody knows your name, kind of like the old Cheers TV show. Place to shoot some pool, play some darts, trivia with Booty. Every uh, Booty's the guy that MCs the, the deal. And um, it's a lot of fun. 4th Street Bar and Grill, big Southern Miss uh, fan base at 4th Street Bar and Grill, whether you're pre-gaming or post-gaming. Don't forget 4th Street Bar and Grill. Also, a shout-out to Mobay Beignet, the official beignet location for Southern Miss fans, right across from the main entrance on the campus at the old Java Works location. Mobay Beignets, whether you have just a little bit of an appetite or a big appetite, whether you like the powdered sugar or you like the flavored syrups, whether you like cold coffee or Hot coffee. They've got all the different flavors for you at Mobay Beignet. We encourage you to check them out. Great place to um, to enjoy some fellowship and some great food. Well, the um, the big game because it's uh, trademarked and we can't call it. What you can as long as it's not a commercial. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. If so it's we an advertising and can't say it. If you're referring to it as a sporting event, you can. So we can say the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the Kansas City Cheats. Uh, of the AFC against the Philadelphia Eagles. When you look at the number of players that are playing in the Super Bowl and you break it down by state, guess which state has the most players in the Super Bowl? The state of Mississippi. There's two of them, right? We're, we're tied, but I mean, when you start, we're tied with Texas, which I find to be crazy. Yeah, Texas was like the, the, the hotbed of football. Yeah. But uh, but and but when that and that's just this year. But when you break it down over the years, Luke, that list just gets longer and longer. It really does. I mean, going back to when the old AFL, you know, when when Kansas City Gerald Wilson. A lot of people remember the late and truly great uh, Ray Guy. You know, who who of course kicked for the Raiders. But Gerald Wilson, who was also with, uh, was also early in those years of the Super Bowl with Kansas City. You know, back when Len Dawson and Len Dawson was quarterback in the Chiefs, Daryl LaMonica was quarterback in the Raiders, but the list goes on from there, Luke. It really does. You look at the different guys, a couple of my teammates, Michael Bowley, Chris Clark, Jeremy Parkett, and then recently like Nick Mullins, uh, Rochez, Nunez Rochez won one against uh, with the Bucks. But, I mean, last year, Mike Thomas, right? Mike Thomas uh, played for uh, – for for your Bengals, and then this year, Quez Watkins and uh, and Cameron Tom uh, will uh, will will be there, uh, and and I think Quez Watkins sometimes doesn't get the respect he deserves. The big free agents, or was it, actually it was a trade? AJ Brown went right to uh, to to Philly, but then they have the Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith, and I would argue that Quez Watkins makes those two guys better. When when you look at these, and of course the analysis, you'll get analysis ad nauseum, right? I just always like the good the good side stories um, because I don't know how anybody could not think that Philadelphia wouldn't be favored in this game unless they think the overall competition in the NF, NFC just isn't as strong. Um, but Philadelphia's there's there's not one aspect of that football team that uh, that is weak. You know, in my opinion, and over the long and and remember, they played in a tough division as it turns out this year. The Cowboys were—I know people joke about the Cowboys, but they were decent. They were capable of beating anybody on any given day. And um, you know, Dallas is in that division. The Commanders, you know, were decent. They believe it or not, I mean, they could they could jump up and 
and uh, and beat you. So, I mean, it wasn't that bad of a division, and the Giants made the playoffs as well. If there was an imposter in that division, it was the Giants, I think. Yeah, uh, but it was one of those <laughs> where nobody from the NFC South deserved to be in the playoffs. <laughs> no, yeah, ever. If, if they ever had to restructure that. And, and the Jaguars barely made it in the AFC South. Yeah. So if you look at both of those divisions, the South, come on, guys. The South's got to rise again here. We've got to get going. But looking looking back at these different Eagles that have played, so Ray Guy played in three, Sammy Winder played in three, Favre played in two, and then Adelius Thomas played played in two. Um, at, it's pretty remarkable when you start thinking about you know how many Golden Eagles. And I was just blown away. Like in the last, you know, Jamie Collins left twenty twelve, but T. Moore left uh, what at the end of uh, twenty eighteen or so. And I mean, you've got guys in the last decade. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six Golden Eagles in the last decade that played at Southern Miss. Now in the now I've played in the Super Bowl. Now Quez will will be the uh, the the sixth one, but so so let's go a little old school. Let's kind of draw the line at Bobby Hamilton, who Bobby played Hamilton. played at East Marion High School, right? Yeah, local guy, right? So so Bobby played with the Patriots. Ad played one one with the Ravens. Lost in that as uh, one of the times Eli got Brady when they lost uh, seventeen to fourteen with the Patriots. Favre won one. I was actually at that one in the Superdome, which was really cool. See, I don't remember Sammy's Super Bowls. I don't, of course, I wasn't alive during Ray's Super Bowls. Um, what about those older ones? Do you remember some of those Broncos and Raiders uh, Super Bowls that that Ray and Sammy played in? Vaguely, I mean, believe it or not, I was even young when the when the AFC and, and NFC first. You know, the two the powers back then were the Packers and the Chiefs, and then the Raiders started flexing their muscles a little bit, and then the Dolphins kind of came into the picture the, the vikings who have been to the super bowl three or four times and and have lost you know every single time bud grant was the head coach so it wasn't you know the super bowls back then it, it's not it's not the um, it's they weren't the grand affairs that they are now i mean you've got the state of tennessee actually has proposed legislation that in the state of tennessee the day after the super bowl would be a holiday would be a that you'd get monday off after after the super bowl so it's just grown in grandeur and prestige, but it just—I do remember those Super Bowls, but they really weren't very noteworthy because it just—it wasn't as big a deal as it is now. Yeah, and and uh, it, it's just what it is. I mean, even in even in ninety spring of ninety seven, Super Bowl thirty one uh, that that Dad and I went to the Super Bowl when when Brett and the Packers won it. Um, and that was against the that was against the Patriots, yeah. Okay, Drew, Drew Bledsoe. That was like right before the Brady, you know, era started. Um, I still think I still think when you go back, and maybe it's just because of where we're located. I think one of the most fun Super Bowls to watch was that uh, Colts Saints game. That was man, that was really something. That was a great great football game. The the way it dramatically, uh, you know, the way the Saints won it dramatically there at the end or clinched it, I should say. Yeah, there at the end, and and you talk about a, a, a history of a franchise that's been nothing but but down, and that was just so great that the Saints could could pull that off. So the the one we went to in the Superdome, uh, the Blues Brothers, and I think ZZ Top were the halftime entertainment, oh, ZZ. which was uh, which was pretty pretty cool. <laughs> ZZ I mean, Top was just in Hattiesburg a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah so they're still rocking and rolling. But Dad and I were kind of sitting. Uh, we got some really good tickets. Uh, it helps when you're 
uncle worked for a United States Senator back in the day. He had new people at CBS. So we were sitting uh, in the lower uh, part, lower bowl, right at the, the uh, what do you call them, the exits, you know, with the, the tunnel. Right. Know? And so the Blues Brothers came right by us. So that <laughs> yeah, was, that was cool. Belushi and Aykroyd? Yeah. They and did Aykroyd the- and um, the brother. Jim Belushi. Yeah, because they, they yeah. had that. Blues Brothers 2000 came out. Okay, at that time that's what they were. Playing. But yeah, this was uh, this was 97, so it was it was pretty wild. But I mean, you know, Brett didn't get the uh, Brett didn't get the MVP, and I think Desmond Howard got it. He returned a, a, a kickoff, but at first play of the game, over the top, 65 yard touchdown pass to, to Andre Risen. But I mean, it is pretty cool. You start looking at it, and and I mean, it's a pretty good spread across the board with offensive and defensive guys. I always like Chris Clark, who was a really good offensive lineman for us. He played in that one where, where Peyton won it. Um, and I think he started at left tackle that game. So that was a pretty cool kid that kid that I play with starts the Super Bowl offensive line position. Hey, who's this is a, a purely a side note. Who's and Michael, you might know this. Who's performing at halftime for the Super Bowl this year? Have, have we even heard of this person? I would know. I've well, you're you're a music guy. Yeah, exactly. I'm a music guy. When they have music <laughs> at halftime, I'll let you know. Oh, here's here's a shot. If there's no musicians anymore, right? It's all canned music and things like. But we don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm I, not even going to be watching the game. You're going to be down in Loosedale. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Is it uh, Rihanna? Is it? It's. <laughs> I mean, I, I just. Well, if it is, isn't she, show prep guy? Isn't, yes. isn't she is from it? Mississippi? Isn't Rihanna from Mississippi? Or no, no, Brandy. Brandy's from Mississippi. Yeah, it's, it's Rihanna. She's the uh, halftime show. Okay, so who's doing the national anthem then? Um. Because they like have Troy uh, Kotzer. Who? Yeah. Troy Kotzer. <laughs> Who's doing America the Beautiful? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Troy Kotzer is, uh, is is performing it in in sign language. He's going to sign the, the the national anthem. Chris Stapleton will be singing it. That's a country guy, right? Is it? Yeah. Who? <laughs> He's got ties to Laurel, Mississippi. Leave him alone. Okay. I still don't know. That's, that's hey. nothing on him. I just, I don't know. No, I got I have you. no idea. I have a toddler. I don't. Because I don't Michael's a... Quote, music guy. Red Hot Chili really. Pepper is still the worst halftime show of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. Best? Prince. Michael Jackson. Prince. Okay. Arguable. Blues Brothers. I was there. One more segment. We'll be back on a Wednesday. Stick with us. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment, and it's sunny now in beautiful downtown Laurel. Tourists back out walking around. Kelly and Michael in Hattiesburg. We're both in the Southern Bancorp studios in, uh, of course, what are y'all in Lamar? Is that what it is? Yes. Lamar County? Yes. I'm in the free state of Jones. No matter where you're joining us today, I appreciate uh, you joining us, whether live on uh, on Super Talk or uh, catching us later in podcast form. If you missed earlier, we talked to Patrick McGee, Dave, or Derek Carr in, in New Orleans today and talked to Heath Hinton earlier about the, uh, the basketball game. Tomorrow night, you can catch us in podcast form. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Audible. Of course, supertalk.fm uh, for on demand as well. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. DBAT Hattiesburg, 
Dot com. All right, um, Kelly. Yeah, I was looking. We at, were, I was looking at this bracket, Luke, for the for the tournament in Pensacola. All right, and and to, to add the to the importance of this game tomorrow night. Again, if the Eagles win it, they go one game up uh, on the Cajuns and earn a split of the season series. So it would have to go deeper in the tiebreakers. If Louisiana happens to pull this off tomorrow night and be the first team to beat the Eagles at Reed Green this year, then not only would the Cajuns have a one-game-in-the-win-loss column lead, but they would also own the tiebreaker. So essentially, Southern Miss would have to get Louisiana to lose twice, and Southern Miss would have to run the table because the tiebreaker is not going to help the Eagles. So this game is far more important for the Eagles, as far as the standing goes, than the Cajuns. And why the number one seed is really especially good to have because when you look at this bracket in Pensacola if you lock down one of those top four seeds which let's hypothetically say the Eagles eventually lock down the number one seed you're automatically in the quarters and you will play the winner of the eight nine seed to get to go to the semis which I mean that beats the heck out of a play, playing a three or four or five Right, so that one to to be able to lock down that one seed, then then you say you beat the eight nine, you're in the semis, and even if you wouldn't win the semis or lose in the title game, you're racking up some wins to where the NCAA tournament committee would at least have to look at at a potentially a Southern Miss bid, even if they were to not win the tournament. And I'm not trying to be a gloomy Gus because I think the Eagles will win the tournament, but even you just don't want. I wish, in a perfect world, there wouldn't be so much pressure put on one tournament because theoretically, a, a team, any team could get hot for one week. They could stink yeah. the rest of the year, but be good for one week and then get into the NCAA tournament, not just for the prestige of the tournament, but it's all about money. I mean, just to make the field would be a huge economic boon for the Southern yeah, Miss I mean, Athletic you, Department. You get paid, what, five or six years. It, the, the total amount is paid out over that much, and it's basically one appearance you, you get all that money. Right now, Appalachian State would be eighth. Georgia Southern would be ninth. South Alabama and Texas State right right behind there. A couple news and notes with uh, football. Former offensive lineman for uh, Southern Miss Bryce Foxworth will play for the St. Louis Battlehawks in the XFL. Um, this year, Jason Brownlee now with an official NFL Combine invite. And uh, Southern Miss has a wide receiver transferring. Richard Mays, originally from Ridgeland High School, 6'2", 200 pounds. He was a redshirt freshman um, this year, I believe. He is transferring and will play. Kelly, we'll see him next year. He's playing at, uh, will transfer to Coland Community College. The Ridgeland Titans. Yeah, it's a great, great nickname. Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of people mix up Ridgeland and Richland, which are the Rangers. It depends on what side of uh, Jackson you're going to go to. That's but right. we should say Richland, the recently finished Highway 49, it did happen in our lifetime. Never thought it might happen. A couple news and uh, more notes. We will be in Reed Green Coliseum tomorrow live uh, for the Eagle Hour. Joy Lee McNellis, Jay Ladner joining us. Daniel Stewart from uh, Southern Bancor will uh, be joining us too. We'll be out there um, tomorrow. We should always remind you that every day on the Eagle Hour, I want to tell you uh, about Mobay Beignet, uh, the beignet, official beignet of the Golden Eagles and the Eagle Hour. Uh, for uh, a great place for you to go. Always have those different 
syrups throughout uh, the different seasons. And uh, we, we love Mobe Beignet. You will, too. And as Bob told us earlier in the week, brand-new partner with the Eagle Hour, Jenny King, the king of clean. They can uh, clean any facility, whether it's uh, your home or business. And uh, we appreciate Jenny King's partnership with the Eagle Hour. Luke, I don't know who gave me this T-shirt, which is which is the T-shirt that, that Southern Miss fans will receive if they're among the first 5,000 tomorrow. I'm thankful for the T-shirt. Um, however, <laughs> we need a couple more to sew together. <laughs> yes. This shirt wouldn't have fit me on a good day in 1982. <laughs> so, uh, but again, I'm thankful. I don't want to sound like one of those people. It's a good so, looking shirt. So, Michael, what's happening is the D is pushed in. So it says not Dub City. It says Flub City when <laughs> Kelly tries to put it on. It, well, it's it's. It's screaming as I try to put it on. It's making all sorts of noises. There's no way I'm going to fit into this shirt. White out. Cool shirt, though. Yeah. Tomorrow in the greenhouse. We'll be there early. One o'clock uh, tomorrow, think, live with Joy Lee McNellis and gonna, Jay Ladner. I was going to say I could swap this shirt out, but do you think they even make them that big anymore, Michael? If they're giving them out. Uh, Omar, the tent maker, we'll have to track yeah. him down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can patch one together right quick. Good times today on the Eagle Hour. Bob will be back tomorrow. We'll catch you, but we'll be in Reed Green. Unbelievable day tomorrow. Two great basketball games. We'll talk about it all tomorrow. And as always, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.